You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan. This is the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Uh, Happy holidays to you. It will be post-holidays by the time we speak again. I'm throwing out a Merry Christmas to you and to all of our loyal, faithful uh, listeners and viewers. You know, we really appreciate you guys actually listening to us and watching our ugly faces, so... Thank you very, very much to all of you. And, uh, yeah, we have no uh, no coal in our football stocking this year. We have the potential for uh, some football myrrh. That's what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is, a, there is a, no gold likely, but, uh, but myrrh. Yeah, I'll yeah, say. Yeah, we'll take the myrrh. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, Giants host uh, do not host. They travel to Minnesota for a Saturday game, one o'clock at U.S. Bank Stadium for the big skull chant and, and I'm all excited. Of that. I, Are you well, okay? I, one of my favorite things in sports, and I don't know why, but I love Saturday NFL games. I don't know if it's because you know the next day you're off. They just seem a little special. I I, I enjoy, and then you throw it on that it's a Christmas Eve game. Uh, that's going to be great. You know, we're we're heading down um, to Tampa Saturday morning, so we'll be at some bar or somewhere with a bunch of friends watching, getting together for the holidays. And uh, you know, I, that big win last week kind of you know it's not that it doesn't make this game any less important, but it's kind of like a I'm just happy to be in this position and you know see where the cards kind of fall with this one. But uh, I'm excited about it. it. It's my favorite. It's my favorite stadium in the NFL too, Grump. Of all the places I've been, yeah, it looks really, really nice. I, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's um, Atlanta is you know is really cool looking, but it's really big. This one feels kind of intimate, and with that glass roof, it kind of feels like you're indoors, even though you're not, or outdoors when you're not. And they're doing like this whiteout where like all the, the end zones, everything will be white, so it's gonna be pretty cool. So that is pretty cool. I did not know that. Yes. I haven't been. We haven't been to Vegas or SoFi yet. We have not. We have not. Uh, I uh, bet I you that Vegas out. Stadium kicks ass. Well, thank God we had family obligations last week, so I didn't have to go to Vegas to see the Gators, you know, lay a turd in the uh, Vegas Bowl last week. But uh, we'll we'll get out there for sure. Oh yeah, for first opportunity, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a request off. <laughs> six or seven days. Yeah, we may set up the uh, Patreon account to help for our blackjack. Uh, yeah, that, that might be a more expensive trip than London. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so Giants playing the Vikings. This is probably, um, I guess, other than Eagles games, this is like the X marks a spot on the schedule of super tough games. Um, but is it? So this team is currently the number two seed in the NFC. They have an outstanding record of what I think is what eleven and three or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how scared are you really of the Vikings? Forget whatever current situation the Giants are in. Just as a team, when you look at them, are you super scared of this team? 
I am super scared that like a Justin Jefferson will just one run wild in the secondary and it become if it becomes a boat race, we may get our asses really kicked. So yeah, I am kind of scared of them a little bit. I think though, but I think if we can put pressure on Kirk Cousins, who you know I have noted for years, I think is overrated and I don't think that's very good. If we can kind of disrupt him, I think we definitely have a shot. But if I think you know if he has time and you know these receivers get open and stuff, I, I, I think it could be really ugly. Well, there's no doubt that the, from the skill position standpoint, you have a Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, one-two punch. You have a really good running back in Dalvin Cook, who's a home run hitter. Um, you know, and you know the the supplemental receivers that are there with that team that are playing like the three, four spot. They're also fairly dangerous. You have TJ Hawkinson at tight end. That's a very good receiving tight end. The skill position guys are there. It's everything else. that doesn't scare me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So like you said, like if you can pressure, uh, well, get right into it, I guess. Right. Yeah. Let's do um, it. I was curious because I watched that Indianapolis Colts game. That was, Probably the most bizarre game of 2022. It's probably going to stay that Maybe way. Maybe of the 21st century. It was pretty weird. Yeah. And I, I got to thinking, like, Indianapolis isn't that good. They're clearly um, dealing with stuff. But they were a playoff team last year um, with a shittier quarterback. Mm-hmm. So it's not really surprising to me that they put up a pretty good fight. Um, but as I'm watching it, I'm like, are they that good? good at rushing the passer because Kirk Cousins is running for his fucking life so it prompted me to look this up these are the top five most sacked quarterbacks at this point in the league okay Okay? number one is Justin Fields at 46 that makes sense number two is Russell Wilson at 43 makes sense number three is Jones at 41 makes sense number four is Cousins with 40 hmm this this which one of these is not like the other? Yeah, right? and number five is Matt Ryan at 38. Okay. So Cousins is only one behind Jones. We we acknowledge that this offensive line for the Giants has been part of the problem for the offense, not— And also Daniel Jones is, will run sometimes as he get back to the line of scrimmage. It's considered a sack, right? That's true, too. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's, that's true. That's why I was saying it makes sense like for guys like Justin Fields and them. It's just— you know, situationally, it's technically a sack. But yeah, all those top three are, are right. big mobile guys with Fields, Wilson, Jones. Right. Mobility is a big part of their game. Cousins takes a lot of sacks, and part of that probably has to do— and I, I'm going to say probably because I'm not going to sit here and act like I've watched every Vikings game and I can really speak to this stat. I literally looked up the stat today, and I thought it was interesting. But— I would assume that a lot of that has to do with most of their offense being a downfield kind of strike. And you just need time for that to happen. Now, I watched that Colts game, and their tackles are bad. I mean, bad. Like, they, you had Yannick Ngakwe just flying around the corner at Kirk Cousins. Um, and Kirk can move a little bit. I mean, he's not a statue in the pocket. So mm-hmm. the fact that he's taken 40 sacks says that this team can be pressured. And if there is one thing that this Giants team has been doing well lately, that's been getting after the quarterback without much extra help. 
I mean, Wink Martindale loves to send a fifth or sixth guy or just like a hidden guy. If they're only sending four, it might be coming from somewhere you don't expect. But this front four, the last couple weeks, has come alive with Aziz Ojolari back. And Aziz, it is kind of fascinating to me that this team has played this well without Ojolari, who is a huge part of the pass rush. Mm-hmm. He complements Kayvon very, very well. Oh, yeah. And you could see how his plays elevated as soon as he came back, too. Yeah, oh, absolutely, and everyone's for that matter. Dexter Lawrence is playing at a Pro Bowl level this year, is going to the Pro Bowl. Leonard Williams is Leonard Williams. He's playing hurt, but he's still Leonard Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kayvon, with a huge game last week, a big game the week before, um, You know, he's been, he's been coming alive slowly, but he's been getting the pressures all year. And Aziz Odolari, eight and a half sacks in his rookie year last year? Mm-hmm. Comes, he's really only played the last two games this year and already has four sacks or something like that. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that plays right into the Giants' strength. If they can get pressure with those four, when you start disguising that fifth guy and you have someone like Tony Jefferson coming in or Jason Pinnock coming in flying from a blind side, Kirk Cousins is going to get hit. Kirk Cousins is going to get hit in this game, and that is going to be a huge factor in whether or not the Giants can hang around against an 11 and 3 bona fide clinched division winner team or not. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be key. I mean, they're going to have to get to Cousins faster than the downfield routes can get open because Adoree Jackson is not playing in this game too. Um right. the, 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 that, that that was really what I was banking on. If the, if the Giants were going to have a true legit shot at making this a competitive game, Adoree Jackson would have to play and he has already ruled out. And that's why I think, you know, if this game was a playoff game, I'd feel a little better because I you know, Adoree Jackson would be back. Um Xavier McKinney is has he been ruled out for the playoffs or we don't know yet? He we don't know about that yet. We're still week to week on Xavier McKinney. I've been pretty low on his chances of coming back at all this year. I gotta okay. be I gotta be honest. Um I, I think that he will technically probably be like medically cleared to play with a club in maybe week eighteen, mm-hmm. probably the first round of the playoffs. Right. But at that point, I really want your opinion. Would you even bother? Uh, yeah, I, I guess we'd see what, what the club on this, how he's doing in practice, and if he's really has any sort of effectiveness at all. Mm. Well, okay. For no other reason, you have him out there for a couple of um, snaps just for a little bit of a rotation to so give these guys maybe a couple, like a blow or two. Well, that that's kind of more my thing. I, at the end of the day, when I say medically cleared, I mean the doctor knows more than me, and he says he'll be fine. He's not going to further injure himself with the club on. Then that's that's fine with me. Just have him back there just for, if right. anything else, just calling the defense, being in position, taking away throws that, you know, throws that don't happen just because of his presence. Yeah, sure. But he's been gone quite a while now. Like, is the rust going to be all the way kicked off by the time he is medically cleared? Or is he actually going to be the liability at that point? I don't know that shit. And I and think I think I think you're right. I think you'll see in practice, but yeah, I, I think you'll get a good sense if uh, you know. And it also depends on we don't know what he's doing right now either. I mean, he That's could be true. doing you know some sort of drills that don't require his arm or anything. So I actually don't know what he is and isn't allowed to do on the NIL or mm-hmm. uh, the whatever it is. Are you allowed to be participate in any team activities at all when you're on? I it, or? I have no idea. I really don't because he's gotcha. on that list that very rarely gets used 
for non-injury reserved mm-hmm. whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, so for me, I, I think that it's a tenuous chance that we see a Xavier McKinney the rest of the year, which sucks because that must have been a worth it sightseeing tour he went on. <laughs> um, but you know what? That's kind of unfortunate. You know, guys go on on break, and I don't really have a problem with someone taking an ATV on a sightseeing. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't really. I think that's a freak accident that probably happened on a I totally mean, we've heard normal of guys thing. Guys getting you know freak injuries in the shower or just random True. things. I mean, it's called life. You know, yeah. he wasn't like rock climbing. He wasn't, uh, you know. Playing with firecrackers. Or returning punts. Yeah. I mean, we've all been on, you know, like things like ATV things. And, you know, you wear your helmet. You, you make sure you're safe. But how often do you hear of guys actually getting hurt? Hurting their hand, too. Yeah. It's a very it bizarre. It's relatively, you know, random and unfortunate. Yeah. I, I think the bigger issue is Adoree Jackson being out. Yeah. Because it was very preventable. It was very predictable what happened. Um. And I think it, I think it's honestly more impactful on a down by down basis having a guy that can just erase a wide receiver. I think probably those two players are even in their impact, but just by nature of position, Adore Jackson is you have, more impactful. You're one guy deeper that somebody who shouldn't be on the field is no longer on the field when he's playing. You're digging one. Yep. Yeah. Um. So as far as injuries go for this game. Adoree Jackson, already been ruled out. Shane Lemieux, already been ruled out. Not really sure we're ever going to see Shane Lemieux in a Giants uniform again after this year, if I'm I being honest. I think so. I mean, if, if this team was sick and tired of Kadarius Tony not being available, I mean, Shane Lemieux has had a longer period of time not being that's, available. That's true, but I, I Shane Lemieux shows up in shoes that fit, etc. So, <laughs> I, yeah. I know, but, you know, at some point, availability is, you know, a hundred percent. I, I he's, a, he's a holdover from the other regime. He's not a super high draft pick. He didn't come into the draft with a lot of accolades either. Right. So, you know, yeah. related. And I understand it's the other side of the ball, but you know, since we're talking about, you know, coaches decisions with rosters, um, take Crowder right there with you. So this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Take Crowder gets cut and everyone says, well, Okay. The coaches say it's an execution thing. He hasn't been good. They've been trying to wait it out, and they cut him. Everybody else assumes it has to do with him tweeting out free me or whatever because he got less playing time than he was happy with. Um, and then they re-signed him to the practice squad today. So... <laughs> Essentially, so all of a sudden, in one day, his uh, performance got better. No, I would say that he took a huge money haircut. Yeah, um, that's number one. That's pretty savage. But also, I think it's, you know, the concern with cutting Tay Crowder isn't the guy. I had tweeted out that he is a good dude from all accounts. You know, tweeting free me or whatever the fuck he is is so innocuous and. It's pretty low key for complaining about playing what, time. What guys do now? I yeah, mean, but but like social- to yeah. me, that's like very low ball complaining, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's not super. I I understand they don't want that shit either, but like this isn't going off on like interacting with different people on Twitter and complaining or doing a whole laundry list of things is is a one time or whatever. going on TV with a, a rapper and ripping on your oh. quarterback, but. 
he is a young guy that is a good dude from all accounts and is learning the position still. He is a former running back, recruited by Georgia to play running back, converted to linebacker while there. I mean, I know that you can point out a couple of different plays. You can, you can point out plenty of plays in which he has shot the wrong gap, screwed things up, huge gains. He's also shot the right gap and made plays in the backfield. It's very clear to me that this is a guy who is learning the position. So to me, I think the coaches might be right. I think this was an execution thing. They were transitioning Landon Collins from the strong safety position to just being a pure inside linebacker. That time has finally come. And I think that the concern then was when you cut Tay Crowder is like, okay, so Tay Crowder is not that good. I get it. But there's now very, very little depth at a bad position. So and now they've re-signed they, him for depth. And how do we know that Landon Collins is any good? Nah, he played pretty well last week. I, I guess, but, you know, he's still a guy that, you know, we, we just, you know, took off the practice squad. He's, he's just learning. He's converting to a different position. It's, it's Jalen Smith like isn't very move. good. What's that? Jalen Smith isn't very good. Micah McFadden has some athletic things that are going to hinder him forever. He's yeah. just not very laterally quick. That's my point. It's like, you know, it's not like we're talking we have a bunch of pro bowlers at linebacker, and it's just no. like, well, this guy is just not, you know, in that same group so we can afford to get rid of him. It's it, it's just the whole thing just seemed really strange. But the, his, him being re-signed to the practice squad makes sense to me because that's well, now bringing the depth. Back, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just the initial cutting itself. Yeah. The timing just seemed odd. Like, week 15, you realize that? Or, you know, that's <laughs> – no, I, I, I honestly think no. No. I mean how long ago did they they signed Landon Collins in October mm-hmm. long but it was it was right before we went to London right so Landon Collins has been sitting around not doing shit I assume he's been learning learning the defense learning the playbook learning a new position he didn't play at all when we first got him I don't think so I thought like that first week he might have been in a little bit but I could be wrong I, I don't think he got any playing time. He flew separately. He didn't even right, fly with right. the team. So right. I, I don't think he's played really until last week or maybe the week before he had a smattering of snaps or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, he's been signed to the active roster already. So I, I think we're going to see Landon Collins again. And I think Landon Collins is going to just kind of be that inside linebacker slash DB guy because he's probably got the best – athleticism for the position that we have on the roster. All this really says to me is that the two spots on defense that are going to be addressed the hardest in the offseason are going to be linebacker and corner, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, offensively, I am worried about this offense just not performing this week. Okay. I'm they didn't really perform all that well last week. I mean, the the one drive that ended in a touchdown was a fantastic drive from start to finish. They didn't mm-hmm. get a whole lot of help from the they certainly didn't get field position help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they didn't get any sort of like there were I don't remember that there was any sort of like iffy call or something that assisted them. They converted on 3rd and 9 and 4th and 9 on that drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they punched it in with like a direct snap wildcat play, which we didn't even talk about that. 
That shit true. like never works. And it <laughs> it was so open, it wasn't even funny. Ben Bredesen's I don't know what Bobby Johnson did to Ben Bredesen to just make him a really good lineman all of a sudden, but I clipped that one that touchdown and put it on Twitter because it was like teach tape for how to drive block. He mm-hmm. just comes in, seals a guy off, and just walks him back about five yards. Andrew Thomas knocked out two guys. John Feliciano went into the hole to block whoever, and there's nobody there for him to block. Saquon Barkley could have ran two different ways, inside or outside, and still scored on that play. Insane. Insanely good blocking on that play. Um, that being said, the the offense for the rest of the day last week did not look very good. Very we're predictable. Not, we're just not just, getting any explosive plays either. It's like everything has to be grinded out. Like everything was, yeah. It's like we're playing for to the sticks. Like everything is. Very much. Oh. It's like 17, 18 plays. We were able to get to the first down. And... First downs, but there's nothing that's like a field-flipping play. And not only is that, you know, on the vertical passing game, but even in the running game, we're not seeing those long, you know, Barkley runs we did before. We saw some nice, you know, 15-yard runs. We haven't seen that 40 or 50-yard run in, in quite a while from anybody on this team. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, we have seen it from Dalvin Cook. Uh, I mean, the the only thing I will say is both Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins uh, are a little bit butterfingery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dalvin Cook, definitely. And that's, that's a problem that goes back to Florida State. Mm-hmm. Um, and this defense has been pretty good with forcing turnovers, specifically fumbles not interceptions yeah um so that's something i guess <laughs> yeah, sure um and they're causing fumbles it's not like just no it's pop- not random it's not just like popping somebody and the ball just comes out it's like you saw the Thibodeau strip sacks last week um the play be- the week before where yep you know it wasn't a fumble but you know it very well could have been a fumble we're seeing uh you know outstanding plays which are causing turnovers yes and uh, i i think that's something that wink martindale probably prioritizes i think that's something that they'll probably hammer home when it comes to dalvin cook to especially if you're coming from behind him to just do that tomahawk while you when you make the tackle Mm -hmm. and just punch that sucker out coming from behind and yep just come down as hard as you can on the ball um I am worried, though, getting back to the offense, I'm worried that they're just not going to take any shots deep. Uh, I, like, I, And I understand why there were so few shots deep last week. I mean, they were playing a lot of too high safety, mm-hmm. um, which means really just that there's little gaps that you can exploit, but that's all very timing-based. And the offensive line has been playing well enough to give Daniel enough time, but not super clean time very right. consistently. Right. Um, the, well, the one thing is that nothing has been consistent. So nothing that you can rely on where it's like, then hit this shot right in the gap there in this, in the soft it, nothing spots. Nothing we saw zone. last week will apply to this week. And we've seen that pattern quite a bit in the last several weeks. So. Yeah. Um, I'll ask you this though. So the, the Vikings, it's looking questionable if corner Cam Dantzler is going to play. Do you think Patrick Peterson is kind of shot at this point 
He might be starting to be on the backside. Yeah. I, I don't know about shots. The no, word, he's not shot. I mean, he's very clearly a good corner, but I mean, is he somebody that you're like, nope, can't throw that way? Um, no. I mean, again, our offense is not built to be like you know, here's our best guy, and I you know, can you shut down our best guy? It's just you know, we, I don't we even know who that guy is. To, we try to spread out like to the two or three guys who can actually catch the ball at this point. So, and none of it is, you know. 30, 40 yards down the field either. So I'm not as concerned about a shutdown corner the way this offense is right now. Yeah. If anything, I'm really worried about just them pinning their ears back mm-hmm. and just collapsing on the short and the hot right hot routes. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, just making Daniel Jones predictable, making this offense predictable. So he has no help whatsoever. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing in his bag of tricks that can combat uh, overwhelming a halfway decent offensive line. I guess is how I would describe them at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Passable. I mean, apparently there's no Pro Bowler on this offensive line. <laughs> Let's talk about the Pro Bowl for a second. Uh, well, there's no game this year. It's just honors, right? And you know something. I kind of like that. and I, I think, love that. I think they should do the same thing with bowl games. It's say, okay, congratulations. Florida and Oregon State, you are Las Vegas Bowl participants and then just not have the game because they're, they're so pointless and meaningless and guys get hurt and half the team is opting out. And I think the same thing with the Pro Bowl. I think the honor of being in the Pro Bowl, and maybe what you do is you fly all these guys out to Hawaii and you just let them hang out on the beach for seven days. and it's an all-expenses-paid trip. No yeah. game to worry about. I, I, I agree with you. I, I would say you can do a skills competition if you want. I think that thing is kind of cool. I don't know that it has to be Pro Bowlers that do it. I like Here's why I like the Pro Bowl not being a game and just being honors. Mm-hmm. You don't have guys opting out of it. Because what happens is Super Bowl, playoff-bound teams, whatever, you get about seven or eight players that opt out of going to the Pro Bowl and then two fill the rosters you get the like runner-ups yeah. to go in yeah. and those guys all get pro bowl nods well not Fuck only that, that when they move the pro bowl to be the week before the super bowl if you're in the super bowl you're not not gonna you're do that not going so, but but to me it's point the, all those guys get the, the the pro bowl alternate things like they get pro bowl honors of course no way Fuck that yeah. yeah that's that's garbage i didn't vote for that and i don't agree with that so mm-hmm. and, and especially because they're only getting in because the guys are so good that they're going to the Super Bowl. Exactly. This is right. so silly. Um, but, you know, if we're talking about just the honor of going to the Pro Bowl, um, your thoughts on Andrew Thomas not making it? It doesn't make any sense for the NFL to financially distinguish between left tackle and right tackle and then reward them as if there is no distinction for the Pro Bowl. For Pro Bowl honors. So you have two guys getting in ahead of Andrew Thomas that don't protect a quarterback's blind side at all. And Tristan yeah. Wirfs, who is not better than Andrew Thomas as well. And Lane Johnson, who's kind of debatable whether or not he's better. But again, only plays right tackle. So your mistakes, whatever they may be, and I understand that Lane Johnson has given up, I don't know, whatever, zero pressures this year, whatever the fucking number is. I get it. Okay? I get it. But when you do give up that pressure quarterback can see it coming and adjust mm-hmm. can't see anything coming from behind you 
That's all feel and beyond. I mean, Andrew Thomas has shut down some of the game's best pass rushers. I mean, he didn't even have to shut down Chase Young this year. He's done it enough in years past for Chase Young to sit out on an ACL injury from over a year ago. Meanwhile, Odell Beckham thinks that he can play wide receiver just a couple months removed from an ACL surgery. Chase <laughs> Young still can't see the field, or he's just afraid of Andrew Thomas. I'm not sure which. Um, Andrew Thomas is absolutely playing at a Pro Bowl level this year. It's absurd that right tackles get in ahead of him. Um, I, I have, I don't have an issue with if someone can find me more left tackles that are playing better than Andrew Thomas, I'm not going to sit there and fight over something I don't really care that much about. Right. But you have to make the distinction. It should just be two left tackles, two right tackles. Let me ask you about Saquon Barkley because he did make the Pro Bowl. What do you think about that? I think there's no question that this year is a Pro Bowl year for Saquon Barkley. Um, he's been on a slide the last couple weeks, and so recency bias says that maybe he's not that good or maybe he's not playing that well. We've certainly discussed his effectiveness the last couple weeks and long-term and whether you want to invest in him. But the fact remains is that he was – a very integral cog main piece main reason why this team is likely headed to the playoffs this year based on his performances at the beginning of the year um and when you look statistically his all-purpose yards are like what are what is he at is he at 1500 yet he's got to he be has, close to it uh 1170 and 294 so 14 something i mean you know it's not just a couple weeks he hasn't been that good i mean no it's been the last few yeah i mean he was okay against washington i gotta say bill better than okay but you know before that you know against philly average 3.1 3.5 against washington 3.5 against dallas 1.5 against detroit 4.3 against houston 2.7 against seattle i mean i i know what the numbers are and you know he's doing a good job considering the Running game has to carry a lot of the load because we can't have the most uh, versatile passing game right now. Um, that's not a Daniel Jones knock. That's just a, you know, a comment on the passing game in total. But I don't know. The eye test to me just is like he's a Pro Bowler this year. And, well, you know, my I'm, my only counter to that because I do understand where you're coming from, mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily disagree. But my my counter to that is okay. Pick who is the Pro Bowler then? That's Who's true. better than him? Yeah. Yeah. So that's fair. Um, so speaking of Saquon Barkley, when it comes to the offensive game plan for this, I feel like a broken record at this point, and it, it feels silly to Same. keep saying this, but Minnesota looks very undisciplined on defense. And Indianapolis, under Jeff Saturday, have simplified their running game, and they really didn't do anything crazy, but they found ways to catch them, and that is attacking the edges. So if you want to put some misdirection in the backfield with some uh, motion, jet sweeps, pitch outs, if you want to do some zone read to attack the edges, have Daniel Jones tuck it when the, the defensive end comes crashing in, I think that the plays will be there, to open things up for a more uh, conservative pass rush for you to run the play action off of it. I feel like I've been saying that for weeks and they're still not doing a whole lot of the zone read or stretch plays or anything like that. They continue to run right up the middle. 
uh, and I'm not a coach, so maybe I've been wrong every single week. But <laughs> what I've seen is that's where it is. It's the lack of discipline on the edges for Minnesota that is exploitable. Yeah. You can't be afraid to play Daniel Jones and have him run. You know, if they're specifically not doing RPOs with him and having to run the ball because they don't want him to get hurt, you know, we're getting to we're getting to January or we're getting to the playoffs. And, you know, you have to do what's in your best interest to try to win games. And, you know, I'm going to feel like a broken record also. I've been saying it for the last two months that uh, he needs to run more and not just run up the middle, but again, you know, do more of the read option, you know, take off when uh, you see a lane and, and go, you, you can't live in fear of him getting hurt. So I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, Daniel Jones's legs is a legitimate part of what makes him good, a viable sure. weapon. And when that is the case, that means it's just something you have to live and die with. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't want to put him in situations like naked bootlegs all the time where he's got nothing out in front of him except a player ready to and you clobber don't him. him. You don't want him trucking everybody, too, for every time he has the ball. I mean, if you know, slide. Sure. Don't go, don't go ahead first. Don't try to you know knock the hell out of somebody just to get a – an extra yard or two. You know? I will so say this. It's okay to live another day. We didn't We didn't mention this in the last one, so I'm going to, upon further review, I did want to say this. Okay. When the Giants were closing out the game last week against Washington and they ripped off like four runs of about 15 yards, literally right up the middle on duo mm-hmm. plays, mm-hmm. eventually Washington sold out to stop the run up the middle and they hit them, bam, with the quarterback keeper around the edge. Mm-hmm. Fantastic play call, excellent execution, and on top of everything, Daniel Jones planting his foot in the ground, lowering his shoulder, and going into the tackle like a man to keep the clock rolling was fantastic. Right. Now, yeah. Saquon Barkley did not show that same guts earlier in the year, remember? Mm-hmm. He went out of bounds fucking twice. Right. On... So, uh, I, I agree with you 100% about Daniel Jones sliding and whatever. I just... I, I wanted to mention that on the last episode, and I totally forgot, and you just reminded me. So it happens. Um, injuries for Minnesota. The center, Garrett Bradbury, is out. Um, he's already been ruled out. He didn't play against Indianapolis. I don't know that it made a massive difference. I know one play, somebody stepped on Kirk Cousins' foot when he was backing out from under center, and he just had to take the sack there on that play. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that really had anything to do with the center. I'm not even sure it was the center that stepped on his foot. Um, so I'll say that it's an advantage in that we have Dexter Lawrence probably going to line up against a backup center, but that's yeah. really it. <laughs> that gives me some jollies. Sure. Yeah. Um. All right, man. Hit me with your prediction. How do you feel about this game? You know, I, I've been harping all season that you can't overreact to the last thing you saw. Um, but last week, being down by, what, 33 to Indianapolis, it's hard to overlook that. And, you know, Indianapolis is not a very good team. And just because they're not a very good team is probably the only reason why Minnesota came back. Um, I think Minnesota still has to win a game or two to lock up the two seed i don't think it's set in stone just yet so they still have something to play for these next couple of weeks but something tells me that you know 
that 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 definitely was definitely a, a turd in the punch bowl that that game last week. And they were fortunate to get out. Just you know, craziness happens. Uh, I think there's one of two outcomes that can happen. Again, one, I think they can they can boat race us early and we don't get a chance and we get blown out. Or we have, like we mentioned, we get a pass rush early. We cause some turnovers. We cause some third and longs, put them in, you know, in obvious passing situations and keep applying the heat and we keep this respectable. I think that game last week meant a lot to the Giants. It really did. You know, going in and and, and winning that game in Washington, uh, it gave them the confidence that Grumpy, you had said that, you know, was the big things you thought that they had lost. I think you, you can regain swagger very quickly in this league. And to do that against a divisional rival on prime time, you know, you have the breakout performance by your, your first round draft pick. Daniel Jones is a leader in, in a game like that. I think that's going to carry forward. Um, they see the playoffs now. You know, the, it's their playoffs to, to lose. And I think I'm going to go on a little bit of a limb. I think they're going to come away with an upset in this game. I think it's going to be lower scoring than people think. Giants win 24-21. Cranky coming in with the upset, huh? I like it. Um, I've been feeling frisky lately with my picks, and I've been, you know. You've been pretty on the money. Yeah. Um, But I will say before you go that if they get boat raced, that would not surprise me either. No, I, I think I agree with you. I think I think this is either going to be a boat race or it's going to be real tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that game against Indianapolis, Minnesota, that wasn't just like Indianapolis just had some crazy game plan that they scout. I mean, maybe they scouted something, but it was mistakes all over for Minnesota. That was a lot of Minnesota giving away points. There's a pick six in that game. There was a blocked punt for a touchdown in that game. Everything on special teams was garbage for Minnesota in that game. Almost every return that Indianapolis had, they took had one that was like taken eight yards deep in the end zone. It still took it out to like the 50-yard line. Mm-hmm. They were just flat-out horrible in the first half. That's it. There's no other way to say it. Indianapolis was not playing fantastic. Matt Ryan did not play good in that game. Minnesota was just giving that shit away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if... Indianapolis was scouted something that they thought they could exploit or if Minnesota is just I don't know not that well, good gu- well guess what if if Indianapolis scouted something and exploited it we have Phil Martin also so yeah and also who the hell is Jeff Saturday is he really coach of the fucking year or what <laughs> so I, I honest my honest thought here is that this is I agree with you that it's either going to be real tight or a boat race. I think this is going to be real tight, and I think the Giants are going to lose, but I think that this does something. I think this this piggybacks off of their swagger from last week. I think they keep this one real tight throughout the game. I think the crowd is on pins and needles. They're ready to say what the fuck happened to our season. Back-to-back weeks, we're getting our ass handed to us by an inferior team. And I think the Giants end up losing a close game. But I think that this is a huge mark forward for this team that now sees that they can hang because they got the shit kicked out of them by Dallas both games. Mm-hmm. Neither one of those games were close. That Eagles game was... I'm not sure I, I have the vocabulary to really accurately describe how fucking horrible that game was. 
Um, and those are really the best teams that they played that they didn't beat. Detroit game wasn't all that good. Um, but in general, they weren't playing that well at that time. I think I think that this gives them a shot of confidence going into the end of the year. I think that they lose this game something close like 26-23. And I think that they take that with a chip on their shoulder from losing that game and they win next week against Indianapolis. I think they fight real hard against Philadelphia. I don't we're, we'll have to see who sits and who actually plays in that game for me to say anything about that. But let's let's just say we're going to be rooting for Philly pretty hard next week. Uh this week when they play Dallas. Oh, well you you just snapped into the next segment, but I'm going <laughs> I'm going Minnesota 26, Giants 23. Close game. I think it does a lot for this organization, and I think it carries over to next week when they just they take Indianapolis by the horns and they run them mm. into the ground. I'm feeling a little saucy, I think, because I just bought the Giants Tostitos chips, the Giants bag. Maybe that's what it is. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or you, is you're that a looking... plug? Did we get a sponsor? No, no, I'm just saying. I, I, I literally just did this. I came home from the gym. I was doing stuff, whatever. And I was like, I just want chips. I want corn chips. Went to Quick Check, grabbed the Giants bag. By just the way, saucy. by the way, when you get a chance, a very jetsy move in the end of this game. Oh, it's no. fourth down. They get a first down, and all <laughs> literally gets kicked out of the uh, receiver's hands on fourth down. And it becomes a fumble, and they get the ball. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, speaking of for fuck's sake, Washington is at San Francisco. Is this even – do we even bother going into a deep dive on this one? Well, we are we are fans of uh, the Cranky Wife's team right now. So uh, I think San Francisco um, – San Francisco, even though they're down to a, you know, Brock Purdy – they're still a really solid team. I think they win. Do you think Washington has lost its mojo? I do. I think that was a, uh, you know, that was a, a, a gut punch. Losing that game at home is very, very deflating. Now, they'll they'll tell you that the referees beat them, but. Well, they lost. I, wait, wait, wait. We have to discuss this. I understand sure. because we did talk about this, the DPI that wasn't called on the final play in the end zone, right? And we discussed. I, you know, we said they weren't really calling pass interference all game. I wasn't totally shocked it wasn't flagged. But if we were Washington fans, we would have been pissed. I agree with all that, right? Mm-hmm. I do not agree with people continuing to insist that Terry McLaurin was lined up correctly on the play before that. He was not lined up on the line of scrimmage. End of story. I, I do not understand people continuing to argue this shit. Not just on Twitter, but I mean on like football talk shows and shit. He was not lined up properly. Period. And I know that he says that the 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 line judge or whatever told him verbally that he was good, but he didn't signal or motion to him with his hands at any point that he was good. And he didn't even look. You can see on the replay that he asks and immediately looks back at the ball. So he ain't fucking looking either. And the officials got his hand on the flag right away. He's ready to make that call. He knew he wasn't lined up. You can see it plainly. I am not accepting this horse shit that that, that touchdown should have stayed on the board. I'm not buying that. Mm-hmm. We can we can argue about six or seven other plays. I'll probably I, agree with Washington fans on all of them, but not also, that one. 
I also don't want to hear you can't make that call at that point in the game. Dumbest thing you could say. And uh, I already I went off on Terry McC- uh, uh, McCauley about saying something similar. Yeah, a rule is a rule is a rule is a rule. Whether it's the first player of the game or the last play of the game, there is no. I hate hearing that in basketball. It's like, well, you can't call a foul there. I'm like, if it's a foul, it's a foul. It's a foul. Well, and the more absurd thing is that the DPI that wasn't called that's completely subjective. There is no subjectivity to being lined up on the line of scrimmage. Correct. That is the more objective call. Exactly. Very silly. Washington loses against San Francisco. I agree with you. I think their mojo was out from underneath them. I think they had a very long season with a really late bye. And I think not winning coming out of that bye and wrecking a lot there, of their playoff chances really submarine their morale. They're a fringy playoff team playing against one of the most talented teams in the league on the road. Yeah, but I mean, as as a larger point beyond this upcoming game, I think they're just cooked for the year. I think so, too. Dallas and Philly. This is in Dallas. I really don't know what to think, but Jalen Hurts is not playing this game. Confirmed? Is is that official? I didn't see that. Uh, Let's see. I'm... You, you give me your thoughts if he is playing. Well, I guess we have to I, – I think it's one of those things once we see him, how well he's playing, you know, you know how physically able he is. Um, you know, Dallas, after I proclaimed that they scare me more than Philly, have looked awful since that proclamation in true uh, mush f- fashion for myself. The game's in Dallas. Yes. Yes. I think, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to make a prediction. I am going to say Dallas is going to win that game. I think Philly is, or, you know, 11-2 and two or whatever they are. They are ready for the playoffs. You know, they have Dallas, you know, Dallas is still, you know, they're trying to lock up the, uh, the, the four seed. I think Dallas is going to win. I just the five seed, the five seed, the five seed. My bad. No, they're going to win the actually win the AFC South with this because uh, <laughs> the AFC South is so bad. Um, Gardner Minshew is playing. Confirmed. He is confirmed. Yeah. Well, so, then, uh, Dallas. Dallas. Dallas yep. is going to win. I know there's a love affair with Gardner Minshew, but he's a backup quarterback. Well, I mean, I and I know that I said that Jalen Hurts is good, but I don't know. He's still playing on a really good team that cover up a lot of his mistakes, etc. He's throwing to some wide open guys. That being said, Gardner Minshew is not Jalen Hurts. Period. So, no. No. While no. I do believe he will make some throws to keep this game active, um, Dallas has a really good defense, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that would have been fairly tough. This would have been tough sledding anyway if Jalen Hurts were playing, right? Oh, yeah, I agree. So I'm going Dallas on this one. They have the home field advantage. They have more stuff to play for. And, I am too. Uh, yeah. And that's that's pretty much it. That's this episode. So we have our Christmas Eve game, hopefully a Christmas present of myrrh and a win. <laughs> um, and uh, quite frankly, a win puts the Giants at 9-5-1. That almost guarantees a playoff spot. Now they're at like ninety nine percent. They're making it. I don't. Yeah, I don't. 
those percentage things, that's a bunch of horseshit. Uh, it's a bunch of horseshit, but I mean, the things that would have to happen for them to not make it after winning against Minnesota would be pretty astronomical. I'll say that much. Well, you know something? If, if uh, Gardner Minshew is the quarterback for the last three games, you know they're probably gonna they're probably gonna rest hurts you know the rest of the way, especially if they do win this game Sunday. What is the nature of his injury? I don't even remember anymore because I didn't think he was gonna sit at all for it. It, it didn't sound shoulder, that major. Wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's right. No, I mean, maybe maybe it is. Maybe it is that bad of an injury. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's if it's they were like they were calling him doubtful. They're holding him this week. I think they'll just kind of just let him just rest up, you know, the next two games. Which, you know, is interesting because if, you know, if he's going to be on the shelf for almost a month and go into it and then have the bye week and then play, that could be four weeks before he plays again. There could be some rust. Yeah, but would you do that? Do you think you really need to sit him all three weeks? Would you I play would, him just to knock the rust off? I would personally play him in the week 16 game and not the week 17 game. Interesting. Okie doke. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, the Eagles, their only purpose in life is to troll the Giants, so they probably would play Hurts just to fuck with us. That's another episode, though. That will be uh, a week, two weeks from two weeks. today. Two weeks from today, that's right. Um, so until then, uh, we will see you all on Monday morning or Tuesday morning? Tuesday morning. Uh, Christmas is Sunday? Yeah. Uh, Tuesday morning. Yeah. yeah. Be uh, I believe of, most people are going to be off Monday. I think that's correct. So I'm, it's I'm not Christmas gonna... night. I don't think we're going to be, you know, recording any podcasts. We're probably at the I certainly won't be in a straight-ahead mind frame. <laughs> I will be. I'll as... be with the family down in Florida. I'm flying down uh, Saturday morning. Uh, winter storm. That's not really winter storm. You know, exclusion. But uh, yeah, I'll be down there all week, um, recording from the beach which will be very nice. Of course, it's going to be 40 degrees in Tampa, so it's no great shakes. Yeah, that that kind of sucks. Very sucks. Um, I'm a mush in weather as I am for my teams. I am I am just ready for this four-day weekend. I don't even care. Oh, <laughs> not me, man. I got a 13, uh, 12 days off. I'm pretty excited. Oh, eat shit. I can oh, actually fuck do it. more. You're I can 40 degree research. beach. I don't want to hear none of this shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off to the the, uh, the third. I'm pretty happy. God damn it. I am not. <laughs> um, but we will, we, well, none of us are all, we, we will see you all Tuesday morning. You'll see our faces on YouTube. You will hear our voices on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. And um, we will see all of your comments and things like that. Uh, at the same time. So until then, we'll see you Tuesday morning. Go Giants. Go Giants.